Welcome to Your In-Depth, where we walk through and break down our favorite fictional universes. It's been a while. <laughs> um, you're such a turd. I'm just going to uh, bleep that out. We're going to continue because you're back to being a turd. You know, the thing is, though, and, and I started thinking about this. I'm like, dude, we should probably record soon because, like, anybody that's not, like, up to, like, I guess I, I didn't do any updates or anything on, like, the podcast, you know, it was like I, I, I messaged our patrons and let them know. I think I even mentioned it on YouTube, but like anything that's if, if like somebody's actively following it on podcast, they probably like on, on you know, Spotify, they probably just thought you offed yourself finally, you know, <laughs> like because you're always making jokes. And then all of a sudden we don't record and don't post for when was that? I mean, Book of Boba Fett had just ended that was the last i was back in march thing um yeah yeah so or no, where back is in february, here's our, here's our yeah. thing our last episode was on february 13th oh. yeah. um <laughs> so yeah but anyway yeah, well, yeah that's, so yeah. we are gonna get back into sorry i wasn't talking directly into my mic um we we're gonna get back into return of the king uh, we are starting around an hour into it. Yeah. That's where we left off in the first part, um, and we're just going to get into it. Real quick, though. I know you said you wanted to jump yep, right into it Back to quick. this crap. Um, <laughs> because there, it's like two Lord of the Rings things, right? Like, obviously, we got the Rings oh, okay. of Power going on now, um, right. airing yep. and whatnot. Yep. I think it's only like a six-part episode or, or eight, maybe eight-part season one type of deal um i don't know i don't know how long it's supposed to be but first three episodes are out right yeah, now so um the last episode for that i believe is october 17th i believe it's the last episode for season one um mm, okay but then i have not seen any updates and i remember this because i have Gollum sitting right here on youtube i'm on on the screen that's where i've got the the movie paused at um so it reminded me i haven't heard anything about that new Gollum game they've been working on at all yeah, um, I haven't either, actually. But there is another Lord of the Rings game coming out that I want to say it's called Lord of the Rings: Return to Moria, something like that. Uh, basically, it's, oh, it's kind of like a yeah, kind of like a world builder. It looks kind of like a Minecraft esque type game, where you're playing as mm. a dwarf going back to Moria, uh, and this would be after the fall or a sorry after the events of Return of the King. Um. I think it's called Moria Reclaimed. That might be it. Hmm. Um, it's uh, doing mining, gather resources, build stuff. Um, and in the trailer, it talks about as you mine, you may uh, attract the attention of some unsavory folk. Essentially saying as you're mining, you might attract the attention of like goblins and stuff still chilling in Moria. Uh, and so there is a fighting aspect hmm. to it as well. It's got like a multiplayer to it. I'm assuming like a Minecraft type uh type game maybe not not as you know blocky as minecraft is but something yeah. similar to hmm. was was that uh and then i had seen well, those something... are like my favorite type of games yeah. that you you know <clears throat> gather resources <throat> and build stuff so i'll be excited <clears throat> for that um i did see another one um it was more of just a, a rumor talking about potentially some sort of lord of the rings rpg 
um, mm. that would be coming out for like consoles and computer and PC. Uh, not entirely sure. Um, Jacob, you get that face out of my face. Get that, <laughs> get that face I, uh... out of my face. I have a little Lego character uh, head on a pen, and I was holding it up to the, the camera uh, in place of where my head would be. So um, that's, that's context there. But yeah, so some sort of p- potentially some sort of Lord of the Rings RPG game hmm. in the making. No idea if it's actually true or if it is true. No idea when it would be coming out. Um, yeah. Just something to kind of keep an eye out for. Okay. Alrighty. So I think that this is going to be a bit of a struggle to get back into, just forewarning, because I don't remember. I I have words on paper for notes, and I I didn't just watch it. Uh, No, I remember kind of what happens prior to now, but I'm saying like the events of what we're going to be covering this episode. Oh. I don't don't know, man. Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember it, Uh. but... Um, I think, I think we'll be good, but if I'm just going to kind of outline, if there's anything you want to, you know, elaborate on, or if I sound uncertain, just be like, you know, Hey, idiot, you know, yo, shut your face. I got stuff to say. (laughs) Yeah. So, Hey, could you just do me a favor and shut up for a second? So, (laughs) Oh, also last thing, uh, no update on that War of the Rohirrim movie that they were working on. Okay. Uh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. The only thing but, I do know okay. remember is that it is an animated movie. I don't know if I ever mentioned that before. It is an animated movie, but no, no update on that. I haven't seen Jack or anything for that. So. Okay. Well, actually, I think it would be beneficial to do a recap. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So that that's up to date. Again, I don't know. I, I'll try to. I think what I'll try to do is piece together the summary to where it's makes sense but isn't so like spaced out and jumpy and stuff yeah. but at the same time i don't know i i remember that now so i'm at least informed yeah. whether or not i keep the whole summary in or not so <laughs> it, it was hear, more we'll, so we'll for just, you than the, than the listeners so it's, it's fine yeah well maybe i'll just cut it entirely <laughs> but regardless uh yeah i, I feel so, up to date so we're good we, and we do have um, like another three hours to the movie so i'm expecting probably another yeah, four probably or five three parts probably another four or five parts Depending, yeah, depending on more accurate, but we'll we'll try. Goes. Yeah, because because there there are going to be more parts where, again, I'll go more in depth in in some sections. But there's also some parts like they have their fight scenes and stuff, which we don't really need to go right. in depth on. Um, so there 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 are going to be certain key points or like aspects of some of the fight scenes that I will kind of go into because just mm-hmm. the differences between movie and book and that sort of thing. But sure. Five scenes shouldn't take too long, yeah. but there are plenty of other sections as well. Um, okay. So I don't know if you want to kick it off here where we yeah. left off. or. So uh, we start off this, our, our, you know, where we're starting now, whatever, um, focusing in on Gandalf and Pippin. Um, I think that Gandalf just kind of, does he tell Pippin what needs to be done? Because he says something to Pippin, if I'm remembering right, and and Pippin runs towards a tower. Like yes, so it ends up becoming clear what he needs to do. Yeah, but like, does Gandalf really so, specifically tell him what to do? Yeah. So basically, what happens here is Gandalf is telling Pippin to climb the side of this tower, the side of this this 
essentially this beacon. Right. And and, yeah. and light the and, beacon. And light it. Light the beacon, yes. Right. Because at this point in, in the movie, or even to just this point in the time frame of Lord of the Rings, Denethor has basically lost his mind. As I, again, I said, I talked about this a little bit for the, the last yeah. part. He, he's lost his mind in a mental fight against Sauron to the point where he's unwilling to ask for help. He's unwilling to re- right. truly see reality for what it is. Uh, and so Gandalf is taking it in his own hands to yeah. call for aid, to, to have Gondor call for aid. So he's sending Pippin yeah. up this tower uh, to light the beacon to call for aid from Rohan. Yeah, and he's using Pippin okay. because again, in one of the earlier movies, um, actually, I think it's all the way back in the Hobbit. Uh, Gandalf is talking to Thorin about how hobbits can be quick on their feet and they can move unseen by most if they choose to. So he's, you know, he's got his little his little sneaky spy, his little his little agent there, Pippin. Yeah, uh, going to light the beacon uh, to call right. for aid is what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah, so Pippin does run towards that tower to do just that. Meanwhile, we do see Faramir uh, moving throughout the city. He talks to someone who says that they have scouts everywhere. If yeah. the orcs come from the north, they will they will have warning. Um, and so he's talking um, to... This guy has a name, and I'm trying to blink on the name. I want to see if it gives me the, the subtitles here on what his name is. Um, okay, yeah. Let me actually expand this so I can be a little more precise on time i think it's like madrid i want to say his name is Mm. something like that um i yeah i I don't i don't think they ever say his name in the movie but basically what's what's going on here as well is because if you remember in the second movie um we get those scenes here in osgiliath of gondor fighting the orcs across the river basically just a mm-hmm. range battle, right? The archer shooting from both yeah. sides. Well, that battle is kind of, at this point, they kind of have a lull in the battle. Uh, you know, both mm. sides mounting up for the next attack or essentially yeah. the, the so orcs kinda... getting ready to push, Gondor prepping their defenses, keeping on watch. Um, right, but they are, their eyes are fixed that way. Yeah, so basically, and, and so basically yeah. the, what Faramir is thinking is, um, because they, they, they have the river Anduin coming down, which splits Osgiliath in half, and they've got the bridges to cross that. And so what mm-hmm. Faramir is thinking is the orcs are going to, are going to, they're going to send a detachment up north, cross the Anduin, come back down south, and attack their half of Osgiliath from the north. But what we see happen here is the orcs just push across on boats when it's really foggy out, and you've got low visibility, yeah. Um, and so, like you were kind of saying, they're just looking in the wrong direction. They expect right. the attack to come from here, and it's not where it comes from. Yeah, and and one of their scouts or somebody does notice one of the orcs, but immediately gets hit by an arrow. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, dead. I do have to say, is uh, very odd that that one arrow just punches right through his plate armor. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> because plate armor is so tough that like in medieval battles it it was not uncommon to see someone in plate armor to have like dozens of arrows just hanging from their armor 
<laughs> because it would hit, it would go in a little bit and just stick. Yeah. Or it might hit them in the shoulder, but they're wearing like their plate armor. They've got chain mail. They've got leather. They've yeah. got stuff underneath. It's just kind of hanging down from their shoulder. And I mean, if we look at the orcs weapons, they're very crude and rudimentary. And so it just kind of yeah. baffles me that this orc's but, arrow just punches right through the center of the plate. <laughs> yeah. But then again, I mean, orcs are pretty strong. They probably have a <laughs> strong draw weight on their bow. It's probably <sighs> launching pretty, like, a lot quicker it, than you... I don't it, know. It, I mean, it, it has to be, because at that point, you're talking, like, pure physics. Like, it has to be hitting a certain yeah. speed <laughs> to punch through this steel. So, I mean, it's yeah. got to be a... It doesn't look like a powerful bow, but it's got to be fairly powerful to punch through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Faramir realizes where the orcs are coming from and has his men take off to properly address the attack from, well, the correct side. Yeah. Um, the, the, the orcs, The problem meanwhile, here, though, is yeah. they don't have time to properly prepare. Because, I mean, by yeah. the time they realize what's going on, the orcs are already basically across the river. So they right. don't have time to, um, you know, set up their formations with their Gondor soldiers, and they don't have time to set their Athelian rangers up in, like, archer positions well, and all that battle stuff, right? They don't really have that time. So it's really just true. get over here. We're setting a hasty ambush. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they the orcs reach the, you know, the edge, reach land and draw their swords, get yeah. onto shore. Faramir's men are staying hidden and then start attacking. Uh, we cut over to Pippin, and he's approaching the tower, uh, where there's a bunch of wood to obviously light mm. the signal fire. Um, and he does that; it catches on fire, and Pippin just gets on out of there. Yeah, well, and, and they uh, have the signal fire set up as well. Um, for anyone that's kind of—I don't know if anyone's wondering about it—but anyways, <laughs> they have it kind of set up where they have the torch sitting there at the very top right below this giant basin of oil or this giant essentially bowl of oil and then wood stacked appropriately. So literally all someone has to do, and you see Pippin do it accidentally, uh, cut one of the ropes, oil falls on wood, grab the torch, plop, done. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but we see a, a sequence of other beacons being lit because it's like a chain. Yeah. Um, it originates in, uh, I forget the name of the place they're at. Minas Tirith. Yeah. It originates there, and then there's like another one on top of a mountain a good while yeah. away. They see the one get lit. They light this one, and it just continues the chain for a while. Eventually, it reaches like Edoras, and, and Aragorn sees it. Yeah. Uh, takes off and tells Theoden of this. And he's like, hey, they're calling for. A, yeah. And you know. so these beacons are known as the the beacons of Amon Din. Um, mm. I'm actually not familiar with that. I, that might be like the, their name of the mountain range that it runs across. Um, oh, maybe. But I'm, I, you just sit there and think, though, if you watch it, because you see like dozens of different like beacons set up to carry the signal and it's just like man how much would that suck to be one of those guys stationed on the top of a mountain just waiting to see a yeah. fire pop up over there on the horizon <laughs> yeah and then like as I, I well imagine that they have it how much is yeah. it gonna suck to have to haul more wood up to replace the wood that they're oh, burning that's... <laughs> yeah like after you yeah uh, that's funny like, okay quick side after note. after you've after you've lit your beacon after the war is over 
Because that's basically what this is. This is this is a call for aid for war. Yeah. You know, after the war is over, how much is it gonna suck to haul wood all the way back up there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could probably just take your, you know, the the dead up there and use that. Yeah, I mean, at some point that's gonna rot away. No, When's the but, next war coming? Ah, what? It'll, it'll buff. Um. So something uh, this reminded me of, and it's a, it's not even Lord of the Rings. Um. But a couple, well, when was it? It was a couple months ago, I suppose. But my wife and I went out to Colorado, and we went to uh, the Great Sand Dunes National Park. We went to a couple other national parks as well. But hiking up sand dunes <laughs> sucks. Like, it's really cool because we also got a, uh, a sand, like, board and or dune board. I don't remember what they're called. But then, like, a sled and stuff. So, like, you, you know, basically snowboard down the thing, but obviously on sand. <laughs> Um, so it was super fun, but at the tip, like of one of these, like just ginormous mounds, there was a probably 10 foot log, uh, probably maybe six, seven inches in diameter stuck in the ground. And it was kind of, I mean, it it served as a marker, but the national park doesn't have any markers. So somebody took that thing from <laughs> way down like like they had to they had probably had to have i mean i guess they could have done it on their own but they they probably needed help and they went down to like this river and carried it all the way up the dune just to you know stick it in the ground like <laughs> we were just looking we're like yeah there's no other logs around here like that had to come from down there that would have sucked yeah. why like what? <laughs> but Anyway, that it just yeah, reminds me of the same thing, you know, because it's like you got all this right. wood. It's like after it's burnt, yeah, you got to replenish it, well, well, and it's on well, top of a mountain. Yeah, I was like, say it's like you're, you're not talking about like a oh, we got to carry this log two hundred yards up this up this slope, regardless of how steep it is. It's like we have to carry like dozens upon dozens upon dozens of logs, yeah, up the side of this mountain, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to set up. Or to 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 reset up our early warning beacon yeah. or our our uh, our emergency button, uh, <laughs> you know, our 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 yeah. system here. <laughs> That's right. just this is gonna suck. And like some of the spots where you see they have these beacons, like it's on like the tippity tops of the mountains where there's like snow everywhere. So, I mean, it's got like freezing mm-hmm. cold up there for those like probably two or three dudes that are chilling up there <laughs> yeah um well so anyway yeah theoden though uh he sorry i skipped ahead a little bit um well no i didn't but i should probably preface it since we had such a little bit of a detour yeah. uh aragorn sees the the you know light and takes off telling theoden then theoden says rohan will answer the call for for aid and rohan will answer must yep. of the road here yeah, the, there's a there's a commonly used phrase for the meme yeah and, and i didn't phrase it exactly what the quote was but yeah yeah um so they suit up they assemble their men yeah uh, and we, we, we get see the, mary i would say we get the the traditional you know rohan music uh oh, yeah. going yeah. as as we see everyone preparing and mounting up and whatnot yeah um, but Mary offers Theoden his service, saying he has a sword, and uh, Theoden accepts. Yeah. 
um, we see a random scene of Mary struggling to ride a horse <laughs> as it won't move, which yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> More of a pony. Uh, well, that yeah. Um, yeah. So, but uh, they all ride out. Yeah. Uh, so a uh, couple important details here that we hear Thayden mm-hmm. talking about as well as all of this is happening um, is that the, the Rohirrim are going to be, uh, they're going to all be assembling at Dunharrow which we will see a little later in the movie. It's basically this big plateau um, where it's kind of like, not quite the, ha- it's like the one-fourth like, point in the journey from Rohan to, to Minas Tirith, um, and it's a good staging ground and whatnot. Um, it's also one of the very few spots where you can cross through the mountains that run east and west, um, from basically splitting Rohan and, and Gondor in terms of like a border. Um, it's, it's one of the few places that you can actually cross. Um, Theoden also mentions, as he's talking to Eomer, to basically telling Eomer to go all throughout Rohan, muster as many riders as you can find, and meet at Dunharrow. Um, and he basically tells him, you have two days, and on the third day, we're, we're riding for Gondor, we're going to the fight, so hurry the, hurry the fuck <laughs> up, <laughs> is basically what yeah. he's saying. Um, and so he says, on the third, we ride for Gondor and war. Uh, so there, there is a time restraint here as well for Eomer, you know, getting troops ready for them. Um, mm. And we also need to remember as well, Rohan is fairly crippled right now as well. Like, not that much time has passed since the events of Helm's Deep. Um, right. Because in terms of the journey that we see with Frodo and Sam heading to, to Mount Doom, right? As soon as, Frodo and, as soon as we see the point where Frodo and Sam get to the Black Gates, and we see that scene in Episode 2, or not episode two, but in the second movie in in the two towers. From that yeah. point all the way to the end of the third movie is only I think it's only like maybe a month in terms mm-hmm. of time. So you know, and, and and that's before the Battle of Helm's Deep when they when they see the Black Gates in the second movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, Rohan has not had time to recover. They have not had time to rebuild their armies, to repair the damage to all their villages, uh, yeah. all that kind of stuff, to, to re- restock, like, food supplies and all that kind of stuff, like, all the strategic stuff that you need to effectively wage war. They haven't had time to rebuild because all that stuff has been severely devastated by Saruman. Mm-hmm. And and so like they're really in a tough spot right now, where yes they need to go help Gondor because if they don't Gondor is gonna fall and then they're going to fall. But yeah. they also don't have the means to like truly effectively, in terms of like actual actual strategic importance and all that kind of stuff, wage war. And so it's it's really this weird spot of like the lesser evil, right? Do we go to war ill-equipped, or do we hold and hopefully maybe we can stand after Gondor falls? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and obviously yeah. we see Theoden choose the former, um, you know, heading off to war right away. But 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Rohan also is in a good spot as well, where you know they they've got soldiers that have combat experience, um, yeah. and who are very familiar with war. They just don't have necessarily the supplies to. I should say the supplies to engage in a, a an extended war. Like they could go to battle and do fairly yeah. well. They just they wouldn't be able to do an extended war, a war of attrition essentially. Um, mm. So they are kind of in a, a tough spot. Yeah. But they do all ride out. Yeah. And meanwhile, we cut back, and uh, Faramir and his group are fighting orcs. Uh, quite a bit of men are getting killed. Seems to be more than orcs. Yeah. Um, and once, and as they are fighting as well, we do see the the Nazgul or the Ringwraiths show up on their oh, yeah. as yeah. well. Um. Oh yeah, I, I do have that. Yeah, here, but and it's just a little bit later, another but, yeah. thing here with what's going on in Osgiliath, with Faramir fighting, is because because I, I I as this is happening, we get a scene where we see built bridges drop across the gaps where I'm assuming Gondor has destroyed the bridges to the eastern half of Osgiliath. Oh yeah, and we see orcs drop built bridges across and come swarming across. And so basically what we have here, we have Faramir trying to hold the western side of Osgiliath with, I would say, probably no more than 500 troops Hmm. against armies. And because this is not just one army of orcs, this is armies of orcs that have assembled at Osgiliath. So I would say you're probably easily looking at like 500 Gondor versus probably upwards of like 10 20,000 Mordor quite a quite a bit yeah and <laughs> quite a bit of uh, outnumbered and, and for for context uh, with that uh, as well the, the battle of word. helms deep yeah. is per the books is 300 rohirrim versus 10,000 urukai hmm. is the battle is, is for the battle of helms deep and that's what the rohirrim in a fortified position, had time to set up with walls. Yeah. Whereas Gondor here has been caught by surprise. <laughs> you know, no time to set yeah. up. They, this is not a siege. This is just a brawl in the streets, as we see in this scene. Like, there's scenes where, like, orcs and men are fighting, like, fisticuffs, where, like, men are, like, punching orcs across the face. Orcs are, like, biting at, at like, Gondor soldiers' necks. And it's like, yeah. like this is a full blown, like almost like tavern brawl spilling out into the streets type of yeah. type of fight. There, there's no strategy here. There's no defensive lines. None of that stuff. Mm. It's just like I said, it's just yeah. a pure brawl. And as we see, Gundor yeah, is quickly just being pushed back over and over again. Yeah. And in this uh, scene of, of fights, we do see, um, well, it's a fight, but, you know, the different scenes yeah. within it. Uh, we see Faramir shout to retreat, and meanwhile, his main guy, whatever the name was, yeah, I, I'm gonna, uh, gets I'm going to say his name is Madrid, and I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But well, I'm going to refrain from uh, calling him by name out of fear of, uh, you know, people complaining. Um, JK, I don't care, but... The main guy is knocked down and killed by an orc. And the orc appears to have been stung by like 30 bees in the face. <laughs> Just at first, uh, well, his appearance. Uh, have a look. Looks yeah. bad. 
He then claims that the age of men is over. Uh, Faramir rides with his men, getting attacked by fell beasts, as you had said, um, and in rides Gandalf, who shines a light, fending off the fell beast and Nazgul. Uh, they enter the city, and Faramir says kind of what had happened. Someone says, uh, I don't remember who said it, but they, they say, like, oh, just as Denethor predicted, and Gandalf yeah. retorts with, you know, foreseen uh, and done nothing. So... Uh, being like, yeah, well, did nothing about it, though. Yeah, so um, real quick for a couple names for oh. <laughs> that, that orc okay. that you're talking about, right, Mr. Deformed Guy? Yeah. That orc's uh-huh. name is Gothmog. Okay, I'm calling him Stingy Face. <laughs> um, and he is basically, um, so you have the Witch King of Angmar, who's in basically like the general of the orc armies. Gothmog yeah. is next in line in terms of like chain of command. Okay. Um, and and so he like he's like a high ranking orc, right? Or general, okay. whatever you want to call. Yeah, it. and I kind of um, figured that much. He's probably you know one of the yeah that guy that you're referring to. Uh, like oh, it's just as Denethor is predicted. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's basically like he's basically like the steward to the steward. Is, because he's the assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> he is the assistant to the assistant because really Denethor oh, okay. should just be the assistant to the king. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh he he might be some sort of captain of the guard as well. I'm not entirely sure at this moment. Um mm. but yeah, like you said, he like he's like, Oh, Denethor predicted this and Gandalf's is like, Yeah, and done nothing. And again, that all comes back to like Denethor's losing battle of like a mental war with Sauron yeah. going mad. Um, yeah. But yeah, that guy, that guy annoys me so much in this movie because like he stands there and says things that aren't important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like he had no reason that there was no need to say that. He just made himself and his Lord sound like idiots. Yeah. Like, oh, well, Denethor foresaw this, and he didn't send more troops. Excuse me. <laughs> like, he's got a whole yeah. country to draw from. <laughs> like, he didn't send more men. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Because it's like Gondor is like one of, if not the biggest kingdom in Middle Earth right now. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like you have five hundred dudes stationed at your eastern border. Where you have been fighting a war for the last how many years now? <laughs> and you hmm. left 500 dudes there. <laughs> and this just reinforces anyway, how stupid on. that is. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Um, <clears throat> Faramir stares at Mary, And Gandalf kind of picks up on it and points out, he's like, this is not the first halfling that's crossed your path. Yeah. And Faramir says no. He tells them that two days ago he saw Frodo and Sam. Uh, says where they went, and Gandalf is concerned. Yeah, um, he, he mentions that they took the path to Carith uh, Ungle, which is another Mordor fortress within uh, another, yeah, Mordor fortress within Mordor. How about that? <laughs> well, well. Uh, so so basically, you um, have Minas Morgul passageway, uh, you know, kind of like valley, going further into Mordor, Carith Ungle than into the openness of Mordor. It's kind of like, here's your first checkpoint, here's your second checkpoint, here's Mordor. 
is essentially gotcha. how it's set up. Um, meanwhile, though, Denethor is scolding. Uh, I I don't want to say meanwhile because I think this is like like right after this is ahead. Yeah. So basically, um, Faramir tells Gandalf what he tells Gandalf goes to report yeah. to Denethor what happened. And then this right. is Denethor's reaction. Right. And Denethor is scolding Faramir as he knows uh he knows that he sent Frodo onward, which I don't think Denethor was too on board with. No. Um, uh, basically what we don't see is the report that Faramir gives. We only see Denethor's reaction to Oh, right. So right. based on his reactions, we can assume a couple things, right? Number one, yeah. that, that obviously Faramir has reported that Asgillith has fallen, right? That's number one. That's what his main report would have been, right? Yeah. Uh, number two, he reported that he found the One Ring. And number three, he would he would end up having told Denethor whether there's questions that Denethor would ask leading up to this or if he would just outright tell him we don't know but he would have told Denethor that he let Frodo go to continue his mission into Mordor yeah and, and because on Denethor's side it opens up with you sent the one ring into Mordor with a witless halfling is the opening mm. line we get <laughs> you know yeah. so obviously he would have had to report that 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 had happened yeah. otherwise denethor just wouldn't know um and and like you said denethor does reply that it should have been brought to the citadel essentially where denethor is now and put in one of their vaults in the way back where no one could touch it only to be used in the most dire situations yeah uh which faramir returns uh basically saying like it would have corrupted you. Like we couldn't have used it if we even even if we wanted to. Denethor replies back, "Oh, Baromir would have would have uh, known his duty. He would have brought his father a kingly gift." Yeah. Faramir replying basically, "Oh, well, just, yeah, uh, no. Baromir freaking fell to the corruption of the ring. He wasn't the son you knew, or like he wasn't the son. He wasn't as strong as you thought he was. Essentially, uh, which yeah is not. This is." just driving that wedge further and further between the two of them, which as right. we've seen is and, already um, like presently and strongly wedged in there. Yeah. yeah. But he ends up kind of flipping out. Uh, he falls backwards, hallucinates and sees Faramir yeah. behind Faramir uh, and then tells Faramir to leave. And, and um, again, I know I keep bringing it up, but like, this is one of those things I can't stress enough because we really only get to see the one side of Denethor. Especially right. with this hallucination he has. I think this was their small little attempt, Peter Jackson's small little attempt to kind of show that he's not right th in the head. Not not just that he's not right in the head, but that like there is a more more than just a being a <laughs> side to Denethor. Right. You know? Yeah. Be because we do see Denethor, like you said, we see him stumble back. We see him basically hallucinate Boromir. And we see, like, we see him smile. We see him like, my son, he's alive. He's back. And then it fades into Faramir. And he's like, no, he's dead. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. And yeah. that just goes to show, which they didn't, like I said before, they didn't explain very, like, almost at all, the madness that Denethor is suffering from. Yeah. 
Um, but we cut over to Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, and they are climbing that mountain path. Uh, Frodo almost falls, and it, we see that they are very high up. Uh, Gollum reaches for the ring, but after Sam threatens him, he, he acts like he was helping Frodo by grabbing his hand and pulling him up or something so like that. This is one thing where I kind of question that. You question if he was reaching for the ring, reaching for the ring, yes. or if he was actually trying to help. Because I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if they're trying to show this specific part from Sam's perspective. Oh, that would make sense because actually thinking because, about Gollum's kind of plan, it was like we'll lead them yeah. to her and then we'll take it when it, yeah, yeah. So that does make and, sense. And so um, because as we see this, right, it's showing it from from Sam's angle. Or from Frodo and Sam's angle. And then it jumps over to Gollum's angle for a second. Although, granted, the ring falls out of Frodo's shirt hanging on the on the, the chain. But, like I said, I, I, we definitely see the temptation on Gollum's face, right? We yeah. definitely see that. But as he's reaching out, it goes to an over-the-shoulder of Sam. And so mm, I'm I'm yeah. really wondering if this is supposed to be that's actually how Gollum did it or if that's Sam's perception of how yeah. he did it because as we've learned all the way up until this point Sam is extremely suspicious and very wary of Gollum he doesn't trust him right. in the slightest the only reason he's still around is because Frodo's like nah Sam we're keeping it <laughs> you know yeah. and so so it's 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 one of those things that like I feel like this is one of those scenes that they've put in where they, they leave it up to the audience to decide. That's fair. That might be the case, yeah. I can see that for sure. Um, because, but, like I said, it definitely shows Gollum, like, tempted. We definitely see that. Mm -hmm. But we also... I also see it from Sam's perspective. He just sees Gollum reaching towards Frodo. He right. can't see that the ring has fallen out. So whose perspective or like how are we really supposed to take this i've always kind of wondered on that yeah um but Gollum whispers to frodo telling him that sam will betray them yeah um, and this is all coming from frodo being exhausted the ring's effect on him all of that stuff that yeah. we've talked about before and that's just right. that's just Gollum so playing on it yeah well, he's pretty vulnerable at this point because yeah. he's weak He's a weak little uh, bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what was it? Oh, we cut over. We see a ring wraith uh, trying to fully attack the city. We see that. Um, we see Mary talking to Faramir. Um, Faramir, what? We don't see ring wraith attack city. We do see a ring wraith. Um, I don't know if it attacks it, but I said something, and it's it's a typo, so I'm trying to decipher yeah. it. We see a ring wraith. Um, <laughs> so what something. what we see here is the witch king on his fell beast. So we do see a ring wraith. Uh, yeah. I think what you were trying to type is we see a ring wraith ordering the attack on the city. Yeah. It, it oh is wait. Probably what you're refer is what you're going for there. Uh, I just didn't read it. There was no typo at all. Oh. <laughs> we see a ring wraith saying to fully attack the there city. We go. I just didn't phrase it. 
I didn't phrase it a proper <laughs> way. But no, I, I yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, 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 anyway, so yeah, we see the Witch that. King. And again, because we can clearly recognize him now, he's got that helmet on uh, that yeah. we see put on as Gandalf's referring to him earlier in the movie. Uh, he's telling Gothmog to commence the attack on the city. Yep. Um, and Gothmog <laughs> asks, uh, what about the wizard? And we get the Witch King's reply, I will break him. Yeah. Which has a so... lot of implications to it. I, I guess yeah. one important implication or qu- one important question is how strong really is the Witch King of Angmar? Yeah. Because as I've talked before, Gandalf is basically the equivalent to an angel from the Christian right. faith. And so if the Witch King yeah, is I like, mean, yeah, I'm going it's... to break him, what does that mean for the Witch King's power? Because the Witch yeah. King was a sorcerer before becoming a yeah. ringwraith that received one of the nine rings of men from Sauron and fell and became a ringwraith. So he was a yeah. man. So how much power did he gain? Albeit he had to be a very powerful man to draw the, you know, the attention of Sauron and for Sauron to choose him as one of the nine, but still yeah. a man. So how powerful yeah. has he become since receiving the ring, since falling to darkness all that stuff that he is like, I'm going to break an angel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like um, that has such a powerful implication that if you don't have the understanding of like Gandalf's background, mm-hmm. that you're not going to quite understand like just the power behind that statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we see, Mary talking to Faramir, and Faramir, sorry, I stuttered. <laughs> Faramir tells him a bit about his brother, uh, how alike Faramir and his father are. Uh, Mary says Faramir is strong, and one day his father will see it. Yeah. And Mary also pledges himself to the ser- service of Denethor. Uh, Pippin. Um, Pippin does? Yes. Yeah, oh, because they're they're kind of Mary's with Rohan, wait. Pippin's with Gondor. Um, wait, when did I was just saying Mary was talking to Faramir? Is that not accurate no, yet? Um, no, Mary is Pippin is. Nope, you're mixing them up. I don't freaking know. Mary is over I'm, with Rohan, Pippin is with Gondor. Right. Pippin is talking okay. to Faramir. You, you, you're okay. just mixing up. How your far hobbits. back? How far back was I messing that up? Because I I, I I I didn't notice it until this point. Yeah. No, uh, looking at our, our note, my note uh, up quite a while. <laughs> because because you did say Mary gives pledges okay. his sword to Theoden. You did say yeah, Mary Yeah, that was, that was... And that's the last okay. time we've seen Mary. I so. see <laughs> Pippin approach the tower with a bunch of wood. That, that I had it right yeah. there. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah, you're, 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 you, you flipped your hobby no, no, no. somewhere in there. I did somewhere. Yeah. Uh, when I was talking about Theoden, I said Mary. Yeah. Um, Is that one Pippin? Talking to Theoden? Yeah. No, that one is Mary. Okay, that's right. Yep. Okay. Mary is with Rohan. Pippin is with Condor. Um, and just to clarify here as well, because it is Pippin swearing fealty to Denethor. So earlier, yeah. right? Earlier, I had stated Pippin offers his service. 
So that earlier one yeah. was him offering the service. This one now is him basically saying, right. this is him saying his oath, solidifying his service to Denethor. So that way there's right. not any confusion of like, oh, I thought he already did that. No, he offered it then. Now he is actually swearing fealty, essentially. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking. <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out where I got messed up because now but it's bothering me. While Pippin was talking to Faramir, he does talk about because Faramir was talking about how, you know, his father Denethor and Baromir, they were strong. They they led men type of deal. And, and like you said, Pippin does say that he believes Faramir is strong, just in a different sense. I think he's yeah. referring to Faramir being strong in, like, his conviction. He yeah. He's strong in his sense of duty. He may not... He's not physically as strong as, like, Denethor and Baromir, but he's mentally stronger than the two of them, is what he's referring gotcha. to. And because at this well, point, Faramir is definitely like kind of like questioning himself. He's being berated by his father. His father's basically telling him that, oh, you're being loyal to this wizard instead of me and your country. Just like knocking him yeah. down. He's lost how many men on their retreat from Osgiliath. And this is, I think, kind of like a. It's kind of like a Pippin, of all people, Pippin, somehow, some way, like reassuring Faramir in kind of like one of his yeah. low points. Because uh, okay, as so we've seen up until this point, Pippin is just the big old goofball that messes yeah. everything <laughs> up. And yeah. so this is like this is so, a weird, like kind of serious moment for Pippin within the mm -hmm. within the, the his story, uh, where it is more of a serious. I got your back type of deal. Yeah. Which I really like. So looking back, I, I don't know where exactly I got messed up. I think there is a little bit further back, but at the same time, it could have been anywhere. It doesn't matter. I, I, we're in the middle of an episode. I, I now, do so. think that you just had it messed up right here because I have not heard you refer to Pippin as Mary or Mary as Pippin no, but I, any, anywhere before this. So I think it's, I think I you just see... ended up typing the wrong name right here. Yeah, it must've been. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. We're moving forward from it. so It doesn't matter. I'll point um, out your mistakes to everybody. So it's, it's Yeah, fine. yeah, exactly. And then I'll cut myself later. So, <laughs> Tomato, potato. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. So I'm trying to now find my freaking spot. Uh, oh, I'm on the wrong page. That's why. Um, so so I'll, as you find your spot, I'll... I'll yep. So we're 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 at this point where Pippin is swearing. I don't want to say swearing fealty because that has a certain implication. So that means he's basically saying, "I will serve you until my death," type of deal. But he's he's saying an oath, basically stating that he is going to serve Denethor until Denethor releases him from his service, uh, as payment for Baromir's sacrifice to him and Mary. Yeah. Um. And Denethor gives a reply. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it ver verbatim because I, I, I do like this, uh, this statement that he gives. Let me fast forward a little bit. Nope. It just jumped right over it. Um, <laughs> give me one second. Come on. Come on. Yep, different kind of strength. Uh, so Pippin finishes his 
from this point henceforth until my Lord releases me or yeah. until death takes me. Uh, and Denethor replies, and I shall not forget it, uh, nor fail to reward that which is given. Basically saying, yeah. I will reward you for your service. Um, and has Pippin kind of like kiss his ring as you see like noble lords or whatnot do in like different movies and stuff. Kind of like they're kiss my ring, show your humble, your obedience. Yeah. Um, and he says, fealty with love. Uh, come on. Fealty with love, valor with honor, disloyalty with vengeance. And when he says mm. that third line, he looks at Faramir which has mm. a very big implication. Big on implications. Yeah. D- Denethor is very big with his implications. And like I said, I think it no, but I'm saying all like all the way back any... to that whole kind of him going mad. And all of Denethor's implications are just thrown at Faramir because all of his implications are bad. <laughs> <coughs> Um, yeah, but then he goes on to ask, uh, or he goes and talks about, you know, the not leaving the defenses, um, abandoned, basically talking about Osgiliath, right? That's, that's their eastward defense. That's their, their front line against the forces of Mordor and asking if he has a captain who's, who's still, um, willing to do his Lord's bidding uh basically say basically telling faramir hey take that (laughs) back is Mm. basically what he's saying which again part of denethor's madness and also part of part ignorance because denethor truly doesn't know i would say how many orcs are just taking up occupancy within osgiliath uh and in a way that it's described in the books if i'm not mistaken is that Orcs are overflowing Osgiliath. So basically, there are so many orcs within Osgiliath that they've had to set up camp outside of Osgiliath because they can't fit all of them within the ruins of the city. Yeah. Um, and again, hence why I say like armies, armies of orcs attacked Osgiliath when we saw that battle. And Denethor, yeah. he just he wouldn't have a way of knowing that, you know, yeah. unless they had scouts that were out there watching, and they came back and reported. Hey, they're setting up tents outside of the city. But you know, at that yeah. point, he might just think like, "Oh, well, they're just not occupying." Um, yeah. So, but in this yeah, though, Faramir tells Denethor like kind of like a, you know, a, not not accusational, but like he's like, well, it kind of is. He goes, "You wish I'd have died and Faramir had lived." Yeah. Denethor says, "Yep." Um, yeah. That's an exact quote. Yep. Yep. Faramir. <laughs> is broken by it yeah. and sets out says if he returns Denethor should think of him better basically being like <laughs> you know I'm yeah if if I return from doing this will you hold me higher in right. your view and and Denethor is like basically it depends like the, it depends um, on the manner of your return and, and yeah. like you said like the, I think this really breaks Faramir yeah because you know all of his life, Faramir has he has tried to please his father. He has tried yeah. to act nobly while still doing his father's will, you know, fighting for Gondor, 
and he's always fallen short of, of his father's standards. And, and truthfully, yeah. some of that comes from Baromir because Baromir mm. just like would exceed expectations, just yeah. raising that standard, that standard that Denethor has. And so, and, and because Baromir was so good at what he did, so good at fighting and, and achieving victory and all that kind of stuff that catching arrows yeah catching arrows uh usually with his hands he wasn't quite fast enough in the first movie to do it but uh you know it is what it is he still caught him he, he's still just a champ 100 <laughs> yep. percent catch rate went out of fighter <laughs> um but, but no baromir was so good at what he did that like aomer of rohan saw baromir as a hero yeah. Like Aomir looked up to Baromir because Baromir was so good at leading his men, achieving victory, winning against all odds that like Aomir, who is an amazing warrior in his own right, looked up to Baromir. And and it, it's just like for Faramir, how do you live up to that? You know? And his father expects him to. And and so and he's been, like I said before, broken down over and over and over and over again that this is kind of just like the last straw for him. He's like, screw it. I'm going to take it or I'm going to die trying. And hopefully, hopefully that makes my, hopefully that's good enough for, for my father. Hopefully that, that makes him, hopefully that shows him that I'm worthy. Hopefully that shows him that I'm trying to do his will. And hopefully he sees me better for it. Yeah. We, um, cut over to Frodo, Sam and, Gollum and they're all sleeping and in this scene honestly it made me almost like what I I, I, I go ahead I just have a you're shaking your head because of this scene yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I well <laughs> go ahead okay okay uh well they're they're sleeping and something that immediately threw me off is how close Sam is to the edge that's mm. just not that that created anxiety <laughs> in me I, anxiety in me and I yeah. Was it's like, yeah, no. I no. I would not be able to sleep there. I would no. I I would not be able like 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 you, like too. you said. Sam is like, his face is right next to the drop. Yeah, I would not be able is, to too, fall asleep. I wouldn't either. And the thing is, I usually wake up in the same position I go to sleep in. I don't think I toss and turn. <laughs> but no, <laughs> all it takes is that one time of tossing and turning. And you're a yeah. bye bye. <laughs> yeah. There's no surviving that drop. That's like hundreds upon hundreds of feet. You are not like hitting the yep. ground and like bouncing. You are hitting the ground and you are splatting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, is that what you were shaking your head <laughs> yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would so, not be able to do it. There's no way. I would have to. No. I would have to try and position myself where my head is facing the wall. So I'm basically creating a T with my body and the drop. And even yeah. then, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. But anyway, so during this scene too, Gollum wakes up, puts some crumbs on uh, from the Lemdus bread or whatever uh, on Sam. Yeah. And then throws the rest of the food off the mountain, obviously framing him for eating all of it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, something again, just I did that, see that much more to turn Frodo against Sam. Right. Something I kind of thought was funny 
is I saw a meme and it was like uh, Sam and Frodo peacefully sleeping, mm. and then it shows it was like a uh, Gollum, and it shows it shows that meme of the salt dude where he's like like <laughs> like flinging salt, yeah. <laughs> like putting crumbs on him. Um, uh, but Sam wakes up and asks him what he's up to. Sam notices the elven bread is gone and accuses Gollum, and Gollum points out the crumbs on Sam. Well, sh- yeah, and. Uh, and- I just have continues to continues to accuse Sam. Gollum steps that he is taking to turn Frodo against Sam. They seem honestly, they seem like very obvious steps, but they are such genius steps. Yeah, no, he's right? he's completely like he's cultivating like, the the mentality towards Sam. Yeah, and, and he he's, he's he's his timing on this stuff. Mm-hmm. is so precise. It doesn't seem like it, but it is so precise. Like yeah. he makes he makes the comment to Frodo while Frodo is struggling as he's trying to pull himself up as Gollum has just helped him up. And Gollum has helped pull him up. Yeah. And he makes this comment as Frodo is breathing heavily. He's exhausted. Gollum recognizes that. He sees the vulnerability. He makes the comment. We don't yeah. see him make any other comments. You know, nope. he just continues with his role. It comes to this right. point. They're up on this little flat, you know, spot on these stairs. And again, Frodo and Sam exhausted, you know. Right. They're trying to sleep. They're in a bad situation. Probably not sleeping that well. They look down and they see Minas Morgul growing with its green... Uh, evil magic that has been cast upon it. Terrible si- the surroundings. This is a time to sow some more deceit. Let's go ahead and yeah. sprinkle a little bit here. But and then when Sam yeah, accuses and, and... him, right, and and he's like, "The lembus bread, it's gone," and he's like, "He took it. He he did it. It, it must have been Gollum." What's this? Crumbs on your jacket. He took yeah. it. And, you know, it's like the these on the surface they seem like very simple things. But when you yeah. think about it, like the timing of it all is just so precise and so yeah. and, geniusly and all... done, which just adds that much more like depth to Gollum. Right. And and it all kind of comes to fulfillment because Sam attacks Gollum, yeah. punches him a ton. Wish he punched him further, maybe with a rock, killed him, but you know. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> because knowing Sam's character, you know that he he loves Frodo and he would do anything yeah. for him, and he sees the toll that it's having on him. So then, when he finally does, like you know, offer help, I I could take it. You know, I could help you. That yeah, so, that seed of of deceit and mm-hmm. and whatever that's been planted and watered in in. Frodo's mind and, and starts to sprout. You know? Another thing, though, as well, is Gollum has also recognized that Frodo can see when he's Gollum and when he's Smeagol. Right? Because it's two different personas, two different personalities. But now, as he's being Gollum, he's referring to himself as Smeagol, which is what he does mm-hmm. when he's Smeagol. He doesn't do it when he's Gollum. Yeah. He does it when he's yeah. Smeagol. But now as he's Gollum, he's referring to himself as Smeagol. That just adds that much more genius to it 
to where tricking Frodo and Frodo being very worn out, very tired from the effects of the ring, from yep. the journey, he's recognized Frodo can't tell the difference now. If yeah. I act like Smeagol while I'm Gollum, Frodo can't tell. Yep. And it just pits, so, it, it just pits him against Sam that much more because he sees Smeagol, who he has recognized, is genuinely trying to help them. He sees Smeagol. And Smeagol wouldn't mm-hmm. do this. Smeagol wouldn't betray him. Smeagol wants to help no. Frodo. And that still remains true. Yeah. Smeagol does. Yeah. But you got but, that other... But Gollum is so genius, he's playing Frodo yeah. for a fool. He's making yep. Sam look like a fool. And truthfully, he's playing Smeagol for a fool as well. Because Gollum is very yeah. good at and we see it in the second movie right there at the end. Gollum is very good at manipulating Smeagol as well. Right. Because it's it's not just a split um, personality. It's yeah. when Gollum is coming out, Gollum's in charge of the body. When Smeagol's coming out, yeah. Smeagol's in charge of the body. Well, if Gollum can trick Smeagol, Gollum controls the body full time, essentially. Yep. And so Gollum is just playing all three of them for a fool. And he's mm-hmm. doing it just so expertly. And like you said, when it finally gets to that point where Sam's like, I, I could help you. I could carry it for a little bit, give you a break. Gollum has already sowed so much deceit that it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> he doesn't see it as an offer to help. Yeah. He sees it as a as a uh, trick. Yeah, he sees you know? it as, as, a, as a, a ruse to try and get the ring for himself. Yep. It, but, and it just anyway, goes and, to the genius of Gollum. Like, Gollum is one yeah. of those characters that you love to hate. Yeah. But with that, Frodo tells Sam that he can't help him anymore, tells him to go home, yeah. and Sam cries. Then Frodo and Gollum move, move onward well, I, without Sam. I mean, for Sam, though, it's it's one of those things, it's like, that's basically if you and I are going to do something very important, and I turn to you and say, hey, Jacob, I don't need your help, go <laughs> fuck off. You well, have yeah, helped but- me all the way up into this point. We have been traveling for like pro- almost a year together. Yeah, but not even I don't need not even you just anymore. that. You've gotten me this far. I don't need you the here there's no thank you. Go off. <laughs> I'm sorry for right, all the cuss words by the way. You're yeah, it's fine. I'm making notes, but <laughs> but it's not only that too because yeah, there's that level of hurt like yeah. I'm not needed anymore, but there's also that like he's marching to his demise. Yeah. And, and you Sam know, realizes you it. you know yeah, you know that Gollum is is a little scheming mm-hmm. piece of garbage, you know? And so for Frodo to finally be turned against you, it's like almost being like knowing if he goes off on his own with him, mm-hmm. the worst is going to happen. Gollum's going to get that ring. Stuff's going to be screwed and Frodo's going to be dead. Yeah. So because I mean, Sam, there's a lot to it, obviously. Sam recognizes as well, especially with the whole, you know, meeting the, the Council of Elrond back in the first movie and Gandalf talking to him and whatnot throughout their journey before he, you know, before Moria, all that kind of stuff. Like Sam knows that if Frodo falls, the world is doomed. Yeah. Like the whole fellowship, every member of the fellowship knows that if Frodo fails, the world falls sauron wins he takes over everything i get it it, like gondor and rohan can fight for as long as they want the the elves of mirkwood with thranduil and uh and king dane up in erebor they can fight for as long as they want 
But if Frodo falls, the world falls because they can't hold out yep. indefinitely. Because Sauron yeah. can just make orc after orc after orc after orc after orc. Whereas these kingdoms, right, they have to have children, have them grow up, have them learn right. to fight, train. They can't just spew out soldiers. They have a finite yeah. number. And so, yep. like, the fact that Sam knows that and he sees what Gollum's doing to Frodo, he's seen, he now is being told to leave. And I'm It spells sure, out defeat. Yeah, and I'm he sure He knows the Sam implication, and he's like... ...recognizes as well that Sam is Frodo's sole line of defense. Frodo is so yeah. worn down at this point from the ring that if Sam's not there, Frodo is going to fall. And, and it's, it's like the comment that we, Frodo makes, I think, at the end of the second movie. Yeah. Where, or Sam makes of, you know, uh, where they're talking about the, you know, the stories and whatnot. And, and Sam does the whole thing of like, oh, uh, I want to hear the story of Frodo and the ring. And it's like, oh, well, that's a great story, son. You know, Frodo carrying the ring and whatnot. And Frodo makes a comment of too, like, well, Frodo wouldn't have gotten very far without Sam. Like in, yeah. in that moment, that's like that's a sweet thing for him to say to Sam. That's like kind of you know reinforcing their friendship and stuff. But it has a it's very true. Yes, it has a very strong truth to it. Yeah, as we see, mainly in this movie coming up further on, Sam is the sole reason, the pure only reason Frodo makes it this yep. far. <laughs> anyway, we've beaten this point long enough. Uh, <laughs> we cut over to Faramir, who is preparing to ride out. And I think almost it's like this is going to be defeat. Like, there's no hope with it. And But he's he's riding out. And and we see it, too, on the faces of the people. Because we see yeah. Faramir leading cavalry down the streets of Minas Tirith towards the front gate. And we yeah. see, and we see all the soldiers. And, and we see a yeah. you know, crowd on either side of the street and you can see the sorrow like the people know that all of yeah. these soldiers are riding their doom the people yep. know they're not going to win and we see right. maybe one and... or two of them go out with some flowers and offer them to the soldiers as like a last like in remembrance of and we got like the sad yeah. music going like everybody knows and, and faramir knows and the soldiers yeah. know like th there's not a Typically, you would see as soldiers riding out, they'd be like, yeah, let's go, let's win, let's kill. There's none of that. It is all solemn, nope. sad, serious faces. <laughs> yep. But Gandalf stops Faramir, tells him basically, don't throw your life away, don't do this. And uh, Faramir says he'd gladly give his life to protect the city. They ride out uh, towards that that other city that was taken. I forget the name of I was it. Gilius. Um, Yeah. But we then cut to Denethor, who is eating, I think, a tomato in the most disgusting way yeah, possible there, that has been memed yep. <laughs> to no end. Um, um, almost looks as if blood's coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Like, he's in such... He's just eating it in such a way. Mm -hmm. um, but we then switch scenes again. We cut over to Aragorn and those he's with. Does, does uh, it? I thought... It, I'm sorry. I, I, I thought it cut back to Faramir charging out. Oh, I mean, maybe oh, yeah, it does. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. But before it gets to Aragorn. So so we see... Uh, well, I guess there is, there's a small section, though. Um, so I, I just wanted cause, to cause comment on this section was all, is why I wanted to Pippin, come to it. Go ahead to it. Um, yeah, they ride out towards the city that was taken, and then 
Denethor eats, and then Pippin he asks singing, Pippin yeah. to sing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as Pippin is uh, singing, we get the charge of Faramir to yeah. to Osgiliath. And yeah. if, you, if you watch, you can kind of see how many riders they have, how many Gondor knights are charging out. And, I mean, it's a, it's a good number. They've got, like, three lines deep, a pretty far-spanning, you know, line established. Um, and I, I would wager probably, I don't know, probably five or 600 cavalry, which in terms of cavalry for battles and whatnot, like that, that's a pretty good number of cavalry. Like if, if you have a cavalry charge going and five or 600 cavalry charge into a line of soldiers, like unless they've got pikes set up and, and that line of soldiers can hold their formation, that cavalry is decimating those troops, right? Mm-hmm. But they're charging a city. They're charging orcs who are set up in and on buildings. It's not an open field. Again, all just leading to this doom. Yeah. And, and you um, get this sad song from Pippin as we see Faramir that, charging forward. And our last yeah, scene it's, is it's, the orcs drawing their arrows and releasing. You know. Right. And so the implication and, is they all die but we don't actually get to see right. that yeah but the the implications there yeah and um, i would say as well the implication is not just that they all die but that they probably didn't even make it to the city they yeah. probably just got mowed down by arrows like wave after wave of arrow they probably didn't even make it to the edge of osgiliath yeah and, and um, it's just again goes to the madness of denethor like he can't even see that he's throwing these lives away. Or, oh, or right. if he does see it, he just doesn't care. One of the two. Right. Uh, but we cut over to Aragorn Yeah. Uh, after all that happens. I did miss a couple of lines there, but uh, mainly because I, I have two comments. One of them is, is Denethor is eating, and then all that happens. And the next one is we cut back, and he's eating the tomato. Mm-hmm. I thought the first eating was you know, the tomato part, yeah. which bothers me. Also, so, right before it goes to Aragorn, we do see mm-hmm. the orcs pushing siege equipment across their bridges that they've made in Osgiliath. Oh, they're right. Basically just setting up for their for their attack on the city. Um, but then it does jump over to Aragorn. I, I just say that because at this point, the orcs are like 99% ready. They're just getting in position to march is basically where the orcs are at. Right. Just kind of to, to set up for the coming battle. Yeah, um, and they're riding out, and they're in a camp gathering their men. Yes, and uh, so this, this is Dunharrow is where they're at now. Okay, this is where okay. all of all of Rohan is assembling for their for their their charge or their their march to to Minas Tirith. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, but here, uh, Aragorn talks to Theoden. They they see it and like kind of look over at their armies. Um, Aragorn says that they have until dawn and then they must ride. Yeah. Gimli, which I'll be honest, I forgot about <laughs> at this point right now when we're recording in the, you know, obviously and then when I was taking the notes, I remembered, mm. but I, <laughs> anyway, he asks where a road leads Yeah. and it's, it's kind of like through the mountain and Aomir <laughs> says that the road is evil. No one ever returns if they go in there. 
Aragorn sees some kind of like green glowing coming from that road uh, before they're interrupted. Yeah. Um, so see... at this point as well, yeah, <clears throat> we do get a number for how many soldiers Rohan has assembled. Oh, okay. Uh, Th- I don't remember Thaden that. Thaden says 6,000 spears. So they have 6,000 soldiers. Less than half of what he was expecting. Or of, of, than, yeah. than he was, less than half of what he was hoping, sorry. And, and Aragorn even comments, 6,000 will not be enough to break the lines of Mordor. Um, which all comes back to, like 6,000 sounds like a lot of troops. But if you look at a map of Middle-earth and you see how big Rohan actually is, Mm-hmm. 6,000 fits into one territory of Rohan. You know, it, it, again, like I was saying before, it all just comes back to how decimated Rohan was from their war with Isengard. Yeah. Um, um, but, yes, th- this road that, that Eomer speaks of, um, it is the road to the, I think they say the, the Dim World? The Dim Hold, mm-hmm. sorry, Dim Hold. Dimodome? Yes, Dimodome. <laughs> um, and, and like you said, Aomer comments that this mountain is evil. And, and Aragorn yeah. sees that kind of green glow to it. Um, and as we see as well, men are very uncomfortable this close to this pathway. Horses are kind of freaking out. There's definitely this kind of feeling of like, uh, of wariness, this foreboding presence however you want to call it and if you look closely when aragorn sees that green glow you can see what looks like a figure in the glow. yeah it wasn't just like a glow it did kind of look like a yeah. shadow just like you catch the 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 like tail end yeah. of like somebody going behind a door basically you know? yeah uh and and you can see the effect it has on aragorn as well like he's kind of like yeah what the heck what what the heck was that you know, kind of like yeah. He kind of like it. notices like there's something that that kind of yeah. is a little uh, not great. Yeah. But we uh, we see Mary getting outfitted in armor by Eowyn, who I don't know if we mentioned like when they were gathering up, she was there. Maybe that was in the previous episode. No, we know. didn't mention. Um, but little, she's there. Yeah. She wasn't supposed to for, be, for but a little she was. Context. Eowyn has been told basically okay she hasn't been told so so and she does comment to aragorn i believe a a little later in this scene it's still right here in dunharrow that it's it's common for the the women of the court to see off the men so it makes sense that she's come to dunharrow with them but aragorn lifts up a little bit of his saddle this is back when they're in edoras and he sees her sword and like he knows like she's planning on fighting um yeah and So she is supposed to be here. Okay. Nobody but Aragorn. I, I think I'm thinking a little. No one but Aragorn knows that she's planning on fighting. And right. Aragorn okay. has a good enough understanding of Eowyn that he's not going to like tell Theoden about it. He's not going to turn her in type deal because she's going to find yeah. a way to fight regardless. <laughs> yeah. But um, here, uh, so yeah, I, I was a little like on the wrong kind of area there uh, of the movie but she she's putting armor and helping mary uh putting ar- armor on and whatnot and she it's kind of funny just because it's like 
it's like she's dressing her child. I yeah. don't know. It's just funny to me how he like kind of acts that way because yeah, he can't. I mean, he's like so much smaller that he kind of needs some help. Right. But like, well, and the thing is too. You know, but if you think right, because of hobbits, they're they're basically children in size to men, so he's right. probably wearing like some child's outfit to play soldier, right? Yeah, because like. Probably, Like, yeah. there's no way this armor that he's wearing, even the helmet that she puts on his head and, and does the little clip for him, there's no way that helmet's going to fit on a grown uh, on a grown man. Yeah. It's just not going to happen, you know? And so, yeah. it's like, he's probably wearing some armor that was just made for a child to play soldier. Yeah. Or, or maybe a child um, that's acting as a squire to the king or something like that. And, and like you said, he does act kind of very childish, <laughs> In this armor, which is funny because Mary at this point is like, I think he's like 32. Yeah. Which granted for, for hobbits, I believe it's 33, 32 or 33 is when hobbits are considered adults in their life because oh. they live longer than men do. And, and so yeah. it, Mary's like, 30, so he's like basically the equivalent of like an 18, 19 year old. Like he's now considered an adult yeah. among the hobbits. Pippin is like 25. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, him acting like a child is more like, okay, like, he is a child still to the hobbits. But Mary is considered an adult, and he's, like you said, very childish. And, he, like, he <laughs> pulls his sword, and, and Eowyn's like, whoa, whoa, careful now. He's like, oh, it's not even sharp. It wouldn't even cut you if I tried. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But so that that happens and then it's it cuts to nighttime and we see someone riding a horse up the many paths of the large hill that their camp is on so before um, we go here we have a scene with amir yeah. which i think is very important okay it, it, it's basically eowyn is sending mary to the smithy to get his sword sharpened his sword yeah, sharpened yeah. and amir basically stops Eowyn as Mary goes and and tells her you you shouldn't encourage him and she says well you shouldn't doubt him hmm. and Eomer says I don't doubt his heart only the reach of his arm kind of half joke you know and and Eowyn asks what wh why would why should he be left behind when, when we're going to war and this is when Eomer gets like really serious and he says, you know, as little of war as that hobbit. And getting a reaction, he says, when the fear takes him and the blood, the screams and the horrors of battle take hold. Do you think he would stand and fight? He would run. He would flee. He would be right to do so. Because war is the province of men. Mm. And it's, it's a really serious and dark scene. Yeah. The way that Aomer describes it, it it gives me chills. Truthfully, when he says it, it's like the truth behind it. Like, like he's giving Aowen a glimpse into what true war does to someone. You know. Yeah. And I, I, it's it's like a haunting, beautiful statement type of deal. You know, yeah. like you feel that shiver you you, you can kind of for the briefest of moment you can kind of glimpse into what he sees in war but he describes it very beautifully as well yeah okay 
No, I, I appreciate you pointing that out because um, though I, I was just kind of going past it, that is a good point to kind of bring up. It's like, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of a lot of them, if they haven't been in war right. in this, is probably like, you know, we're heading to battle. We'll fight, right. you know, there. Well, and, and you But they're not it. thinking about the horror right. that it is it, you know, that the blood mm-hmm. The, all this and, and you I see mean, it I, even today i don't have with like go ahead members of like the u.s military right a lot nowadays at least with a lot of members of the u.s military it's a lot of like yeah let's go let's go deploy let's go fight let's go you know put our training to use let's let's get it yeah but then if you talk to someone that's like a combat veteran someone that's yeah. been in a firefight like they don't talk about it as like yeah let's go get this it's like I've got to make sure you're ready is, is how they talk about it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a lot more horrific than yeah. and, what you would. And granted we have a lot more like, you know, technology and are a lot better at killing people nowadays. Right. Cause because of our technological advances and stuff, but, and it's not you know, as like, but even now though, like we're using guns and, and helicopters and missiles and stuff like that. Whereas in this time period where they're fighting with swords and spears and bows and stuff like that, when you kill someone, unless you're an archer, you're right up in their face. You see the the life leave their eyes. You get splattered with blood. You know, like, there, there's a lot more horror to war in this day and age, in, in like, yeah. where Lord of the Rings takes place, than today's right. day and age. Yes, today you see you get the blood and all that kind of stuff, but here you're getting splattered with it. When you cut yeah. someone's head off or you stab them and pull your sword out, blood is splattering onto you. Like, like the, the gore is so much more in your face. It's more present mm-hmm. than if you see it at a distance or don't see it at all. And, and I, I anyway. think Aomer's comment on it, I think that really drives it home for Eowyn because you see the look on her face and you see a little bit of like a look of, a little bit of maybe terror mixed with, um, I'm trying to think of the word like terror mixed with maybe concern or um, wariness what, what, it's a very she gets a very grim expression Yeah, that you definitely like she obviously she can't understand it without experiencing it but she's like oh kind of getting a little more I, understanding of at least I should be worried I, I yeah <laughs> you know yeah but moving on from that, so uh, it's nighttime now. Someone rides a horse up the many paths uh, up the hill that their you know camp is on, and uh, Aragorn is asleep and he dreams of Arwen and being with her and and all that. Mm. Um, but he then startles awake, drawing his dagger. Um, and this is a point where I was going to throw in our quick sponsor break. Uh- just to note real quick as well, the, the dagger, but, yeah. sa- same dagger he gets from Galadriel in the first movie, by the way. Just a heads up. Oh, I didn't notice that. Same, same dagger. Neat. Anyway, though, uh, so yeah, sponsor break. This episode is brought to you by Tengwarpedic. Are you having trouble sleeping at night? tossing and turning in a restless sleep, then you need this best in Middle Earth orcopedic mattress. Made with the refined face leather of orcs and filled with their innards and blood, all sealed with ent sap. This will not only be the comfiest mattress you purchase, but the most clean. 
We take pride in the fact that all of the delicacies that are filled inside that mattress do not spill out. Just don't sleep with a knife or something. All materials are sourced from undisclosed locations. And if you question if it's ethical, piss off. Ditch the uncomfortable cots and get Tengwarpedic today to reclaim your sleep. And be sure to write your in-depth on your order form to get 15% off of your purchase. Sleep easy, friend. Nice. <laughs> I don't think I want that mattress. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm it's all sealed, on that one. you know. It's all sealed uh, together, you know. Like I said, Ent Sap really keeps oh, yeah. it, uh, you know, in and stuff. But yeah. anyway. Uh, anyways, back to the movie. <laughs> so. Um, so yes, yeah, so we we see Aragorn start awake, pulling his knife to yeah. a Rohan soldier um, stepping into his tent to wake him. Uh, and Aragorn is breathing heavy. Like, I don't think this was so much as a dream of Air- of Eowyn. This was like a nightmare for him. And yeah. as we see, he does get a quick glimpse of uh, that pathway that we saw him staring down that uh, Eomir was talking about. And so he definitely wakes up in a start, like obviously like drawing his knife, like he's like, oh, what the heck is going mm-hmm. on? You know, type yeah. of deal. Um, and basically he's told the king, the king wants to talk to him or King Theoden wants to talk to him. Uh, mm-hmm. And so the soldier leads him to the king's tent and we see the uh, Theoden standing there talking to someone who's cloaked. And he says, I take my leave. Uh, basically saying, I'm going I'm to step out so you two can talk. And Theoden looks thoroughly disturbed hmm. like I, I truthfully I, I never really paid attention to exp- his expression until right now he looks thoroughly disturbed so like this cloaked figure has told him something we don't know what it is but it really got to Thaden yeah um, and as er- as Thaden leaves and Aragorn turns back to the figure we see him take his cloak down we see Elrond uh, Elrond mm-hmm. has come to Dunharrow, um, saying he's come on behalf of the one he loves, referring to Arwen, and he says yeah. that she is dying. Um, obviously, grim news for Aragorn. Like that's the love of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and <coughs> damn, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, and he talks about I started to talk, and and. and <laughs> My body hates me. Sorry. Um, uh, and he talks about how basically <laughs> as the power of Mordor grows, Arwen's strength wanes. Her, her strength starts is failing her. Her fate now is tied with the fate of the ring. So basically, if the ring is destroyed, Arwen will live. If the ring is not destroyed, she will die. Yeah. Um, Elrond warns... Aragorn, though, that Sauron sends another threat from the south. Yeah. They will be on the city in two days, making them outnumbered. He he needs more men. Aragorn says there aren't any, and Elrond says that there's those who dwell in the mountain. And we see glances of green ghosty dude. Yeah, and uh, as he's talking about the force from the south as well, we do get a quick, a quick image of ships oh, yeah. coming down a river, and we see cities burn. Yep. And um, again, this is basically just showing 
that Sauron has more than just orcs. Because obviously in the second yeah. movie we saw the uh, the Haradrim, or the men of the south, coming up, and, and or, or I guess the Easterlings, uh, coming to Mordor, going to the, the gate. But this is showing another force that Sauron has yeah. under his control. Um, yeah. and, and these cities that we see burning in the background of these ships coming down the river, these are cities of Gondor. That are following, mm-hmm. so they're close. Uh, and, uh, yes, and, and again, th- this ri- this is the river Anduin. So, for just a reminder, that scene in the first movie, right there at the end, where we see Baromir's body go over the the waterfall with um, after he's killed, that is the river yeah. Anduin, and that's a waterfall that continues the river down all the way down through Gondor out to the sea. Um, okay, and so th- these ships are coming up the river Anduin, and they are looting and burning cities of Gundor on their way. So basically what this implies is that Gundor, the only troops that they have are the troops that are in Minas Tirith right now. Yeah. Because the rest of Gundor is either burning, destroyed, or they are fighting other forces and cannot send troops to help. Any troops that have been sent to help will have had to have already arrived at Minas Tirith. Yeah. And, um, but, but Elrond says that about the, you know, those who dwell on the mountain and Aragorn doesn't look too calm about that. He says they're murderers, traitors, and they answer to no one. Elrond replies with, they will answer to the king of Gondor. And then he pulls out that sword, uh, that he had reforged. Yes. And so this uh, sword, he gives it to Aragorn. This sword that has been reforged, it was once called Narsil, the the blade Mm -hmm. that cut the ring from Sauron's hand, right? That whole thing. It is now referred yep. to as Anduil, Flame of the West. So, yeah. And so basically, I think what a lot of people don't realize, I, I mean, you, you can get the sense that it has some magic property as we see a little later in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And I won't go to that scene yet because we're not there. But a lot of people don't realize, like, again, this is a sword forged by the elves. The elves have mm-hmm. magic. They are giving this blade to Aragorn, who is in their mind, going to become king of Gundor. If, if all goes well, you know, he will be king of Gundor. Mm-hmm. And so the elves, as we know, are leaving Middle-earth and they're wanting to... Elrond, at least, is wanting to leave it better than when he arrived, basically, right? So it would make sense that they, that they give who they see as the future king of Gundor essentially a gift, a, a, a really powerful weapon, which is this sword. Um, yeah. And, and so, and I mean, the sword looks badass. It does. It looks really cool. Um, mm-hmm. another thing I wanted to comment on was when, um, Elrond is talking and he's, he's, he he says, you need more men. Right. And Aragorn says there are none that has further implication as well, because we know the dwarves are still present in middle earth. We know that Th- Thrand will, and his elves are still present in Middle-earth. If there are no more men, and I don't think they mean men as in, like, mankind. I think they mean men as in troops, right? Yeah. If there are no other men that they can call upon, that implies that these other forces, the dwarves and the elves that are still here, are fighting a war of their own. Mm. And we actually get references to this in, in some of the books and whatnot that Sauron has sent forces to fight Erebor and to fight the Woodland Realms. 
And so we don't get to see it in the movie. But this is not just a war against men. This is not just him marching against Gondor. This is Sauron sending out tens, if not hundreds of thousands of orcs and calling upon his allies in the east, in the south. Um, And he is attacking on all fronts. And with that, there's a lot of implications here. I apologize. (laughs) But the implication with that as well is that Sauron is confident enough to open battles, open war fronts, or, or open lines of attack on multiple fronts, and he's confident enough that he can win those battles. Yeah. You know, because Sauron is this ancient evil. He's not stupid, right? He's not just going to send forces to go die. Well, he will, but he's only going to do it if he knows he can win. Right. He knows he can win, <laughs> you know, and he has the troops to back it up. <laughs> and so, like, this yeah. force that we are going to see attack Minas Tirith, just remember, that's only a fraction of the armies right. he has at his disposal. Mm-hmm. And so, and and Legolas even makes a comment to Gimli earlier in the movie as well, because Gimli says, I would, I would love to have a, you know, a, a legion of dwarves uh, armed and filthy. You know, and Legolas makes a comment of something along the lines of, well, I fear that your your kin are already fighting their own war. Again, reinforcing mm. this war is beyond just Gondor and, and Mordor. This is like Gondor and Mordor yeah. and Erebor and the Woodland Realms. And then you have Rune to the east, which is men under that are helping Sauron. You have the Haradrim in the south, again, men helping Sauron. This is basically like world war happening right now. Mm-hmm. And so, like, um, the fact that... So they can't get any more help is a big deal, and it has a lot of implications that go with it. I'm gonna start up a little tally on how many times I try to continue talking, <laughs> and there's more to say. There is so much to say. There's so much. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I need to take a break, really quick, because I have laundry, and I it's getting we're we've been recording for two hours. Um, so I'm going to write down the time. Let's leave our recording going so that it still matches up when we come back. I shouldn't take too long. Uh, but let's, let's go ahead and take a quick, uh, break. And, um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll put in another, another sponsor just to remind people of ones that there's been, Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Eowyn's Elegant Eatery. The holidays are approaching and dinners are to be made, but why does it have to be by you? You can visit Eowyn's Elegant Eatery just down the road from the Rohan Senior Care, or you can get online and submit an order. This eatery is a single location restaurant that specializes in dine-in and mail delivery meal solutions. This year's chef's choice item is stew. So, release the stress of the holidays and let Aowen's Elegant Eatery supply you with the meals. But don't take it from us. Noteworthy publications such as the Edderest Post and the Rohan Times coin this place as average at best and bland. <laughs> Aowen's Elegant Eowyn's <laughs> Elegant Eatery is received or has received many reviews on Yelp. Username Son of Gondor 2931 writes it's as if mashed potatoes sat in a dwarf's bathwater, given that dwarves bathed. And Dunadine Daddy 210 says, This tastes like orc sh. <laughs> 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 
Click the link in the description to submit an order <laughs> and use code INDEPTH for your first meal box free. <laughs> you won't want a second. <laughs> so, coming back. Where were we? So, we had uh, Elrond talking with Aragorn um, about basically telling him they don't, have, they don't have enough men. He needs to take... He basically tells Aragorn he needs to take the the path to the to the was it the dim Drimhold Dimhold whatever I called it Dimadome. Yeah. Um, and he needs to use the uh, the Sword of Kings or uh, you know Anduil to mm-hmm. basically get the spirits or the people of th- those that dwell in the mountain as he calls them. Um, yeah. To help them. Uh, yeah. Everyone says they answer to no one, and he says they will answer to the King of Gondor as he reveals the sword. Um, right, I think you had right. briefly mentioned, as uh, Elrond says, there are the, like those that dwell in the mountain. Um, you need to take that oh, we, road. We were, we were, we were past this. Um, there, there's another yeah. force coming from the south uh, or, or wherever it was. Yes, uh, and, but uh, you had mentioned. Yeah. I don't think we really mentioned a whole lot. As he says that, we do get that flash of Aragorn seeing that figure in the in the the mm-hmm. valley there and valley entrance there but we get it close up and we see a, the face of this spirit like a mm-hmm. green spirit and it's got like some decay to its face as well even though it is a spirit um mm-hmm. and Aragorn does he looks like very like very concerned and worried about doing this um but that is the road that he needs to take for them to have a chance against Sauron, to have a right. chance uh, of saving Minas Tirith, essentially. Yeah. In summary, Elrond tells Aragorn to put aside being a ranger, become who mm-hmm. he was born to be, and go get them ghosty boys from the creepy road. Yeah. Uh, for those that are maybe drawing a blank with that, um, quick reminder, Aragorn is a descendant of Isildur, the last king of Gondor. Um I guess the last true king, kings after that were kind of like pieces of shit. Um, and so in Aragorn's history, he's with the Dunedain. He goes the whole ranger route, but he is supposed to be king. Like that is his path and he has been rejecting it thus far. And this yep. right here, as um, <clears throat> Elrond says that is kind of, this is basically when Aragorn's like, all right, like, he has kind of come to this decision already, but I feel like it's kind of like a half and half. But I think this is the moment where he's like, I, I need to take my rightful place. And I think yeah. a lot of it comes from the fact that Elrond tells him that Arwen is dying. Like, like the fate of this war is her fate. If we lose, she dies. If we win, yeah. she lives. And I think that's kind of like his yeah. big eye opener. Because I'm sure up until yep. this point, I'm sure he's he's thinking that Arwen has left for Valinor. She has left Middle Earth, and this is when he realizes, oh, she's still here. There, there's a chance I can still be with the woman I love. Yeah. But I've got to take my place. I've got to do this in order for that to happen. Right. So Aragorn suits up his horse, and Eowyn stops him, and uh, he crushes her dreams, yep. saying that he doesn't love her, and wishes yeah. her joy, and then leaves. Uh, for clarification (laughs) yeah he basically tells her he's not in love with her right he loves her right right he cares about her but he's not like he doesn't feel that way about her like she feels for him 
Right. Because she's been infatuated yeah. with him since he showed up and right. stuff and kind of, you know, trying to flirt a little bit, but trying to be yeah. closer to him. And he's just being like, my heart belongs to another. Well, and he you, even says to I, I wish you well and I care about you. Yeah, but, he even says to something no. like it, it's a thought and a shadow that you love. Basically saying like, I'm not the man you think I am. Yeah. You don't know me, basically. <laughs> yeah. And he even says, like, I cannot give you what you seek. Um, yeah. Which, truthfully, I'm not really sure what he means by that. Because, like, she sees him as, like, a good man, an honorable man. And he is, you know. Like, Aragorn is an honorable man. He's a good man. He's going to do what's right. And, we, you know, we see that all the way back in the first movie, movie when he refused to take the ring from Frodo when Frodo offers it. You know, yeah. we see it in the second movie when he refuses to leave Helm's Deep and leave the Rohirrim to die. Like, he's like, no, I'll die as one of them. Like, this is the right thing to do. And he does it. So I'm not sure what he really means by that. Because, hmm. like, as far as I, I can know. tell, her image of him is that is him. So yeah. I, I don't I don't remember if it explains it more in the book or not. I don't remember. Hmm. But that, don't that line always kind of confused me. <clears throat> But um, I mean, unless it has something to do with his like Dunedain past, his ranger past. But I, I, even then, I don't really see it because even then, he he would do like the right thing. Yeah. But well, I don't know. Gimli asks where Aragorn's off to, and Aragorn tells him to stay. But then Legolas comes in and says they're coming mm. with. Uh, Theoden comes out and watches in question. Yeah. I mean, they all do. Well, and because um, Aragorn doesn't tell anyone where he's going. Yeah. So as far as they can tell, because the men of Rohan, especially after the Battle of Helm's Deep, they basically look to Aragorn as like second in charge. Yeah. And I, I think it's too, like obviously they listen to King Theoden and they listen to Eomer, right? Because that's their king and really their prince. Their Eomer is like their, their marshal, right? But their loyalty to the two of them Aragorn basically holds that same level of loyalty. Yeah. So, like, if Aragorn um, asks, the, asks them to charge to their deaths, they will follow him through hell and back. Mm -hmm. Just like they would follow Thaden and just like they would follow Eomer. And so the fact that yeah. he's just, like, up and leaving, like, I mean, just, like, think of, like, the, the mental toll yeah. that's going to have on them, right? That's true. Like, yeah. in their eyes, and I think a couple, a couple of them even call out, like, Lord Aragorn, where are you going? And I think someone else is like, oh, he's abandoning us, right? Like, what kind of message does that send to the soldiers? Yeah. Like, this dude but, that uh, has stood side by side, side by side with them, probably saving a lot of their lives in, the, in their battles, is just yeah. leaving. Yeah. But Theoden says, you know, that they don't have enough people to defeat Mordor, mm -hmm. but they will meet them in battle nonetheless. Um, I don't know. Ar Aragorn kind of goes off well and because i th i think the, um, the rohirrim have a similar mindset to like the viking mindset like falling in battle is an honor type of mindset yeah. you know um not quite to the extreme of the vikings who would you know get belligerently drunk before going into battle but <laughs> but you know I, I think they have a similar mindset or at least theoden does and that, whether yeah. whether that's just Theoden looking for like a glorious end to his life or what I couldn't say, uh, yeah. but Theoden does also um, tell the men like Aragorn's leaving because he has to. Like Theoden mm -hmm. may not know exactly what he's doing, but he has an inkling. 
you know. And and so Thaden gets that, and I think he this is kind of his attempt of reassuring the men. Yeah. But. Theoden does put Eowyn in charge while he's gone, like because they, you know, they're leaving this camp and going into battle, you know. Yeah. Uh, so the women and children, and I think that's yeah, but they stay back. Yeah, basically, the women, um, the children, and like the old men that yeah. can't ride anymore are the only ones not going. So like, right at this point, I think an important thing again to realize is any middle-aged man, probably from sixteen all the way up to like late fifties right yeah left in rohan is riding to war yep so if they fail and they all die rohan is left with no one to defend it yeah like you have aowen and maybe some of the older men take up arms if they have to but what are they really going to be able to do (laughs) like aowen as far as theoden knows because uh, you know obviously aowen has training she's a shield maiden of rohan so she would have training and whatnot. So like she could hold her own against forces, but she's not going to be able to stop an army. You know, she's right. And it's truthfully, it kind of makes Theoden look like an idiot to an extent. Right. He's gambling. Here. I mean, looking at it from an outside view. Yeah. yeah. He's gambling Leaving. here. Right. Yeah. He's gambling that they will prevail and some of the men will survive. Yeah. But from another perspective, um, he's leaving his country undefended. Yeah. But she's in charge if he doesn't return. He says that he wishes her to smile again and see days renewed with nowhere despair. More, no more despair. We cut over to Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas. They're yeah. riding along the road. And Legolas gives a briefing of the people that they are seeking out. So uh, Basically, they didn't come to yeah. Gondor, Gondor's aid. Um, yes. What? So what this is... For, for, I guess, a little more clarification as well, because Legolas is very vague with how he says it, right? Isildur, the, the spirits of these people, because at, I think at this point we can tell that they're spirits, especially seeing that spirity ghost figure, right? Mm-hmm. When these people were alive, Isildur called upon them for aid. Now, whether that's referring to the Battle of the Last Alliance or a different battle, I'm not 100% sure. But... Isildur called to them for aid. They were his, basically his bannermen, right? They were his, some of his subjects. And they refused to go and fight. They fled to the mountain and they died here. Hmm. So, and I think Legolas even says, when Gundor's need was dire. So when Gundor was in a really bad place, they needed help. These men refused to fight. And they fled. They died in the mountains. Isildur, again, because he's a descendant of Numenor, which is kind of like a man, man slash elf kingdom. It's kind of varies starting out as elves. So again, they have magic, right? Isildur uses said magic that he, that he has to curse these men, basically saying you are going to be cursed to live in the afterlife in this mountain until you fulfill your oath to help Gundor. Cause they would have, they would have given some sort of like pledge of fealty uh, pledge of service to Isildur, and they broke that. So he curses them. They're stuck here until they fulfill that oath. Well, guess what? It's been like 3,000 years now. And yeah, they, and they've just been in and there. And they've just been chilling in this mountain as, as spirits. Um, and I, I'm assuming this is referring to the like the Battle of the Last Alliance against Sauron, that big scene we see in the beginning of the first movie. I'm, I'm assuming that's what it's referring to. 
Because that, yeah. that really that was when Gundor was last in like a spot they're in now, if not worse, if not a worse spot. And so Legolas is kind of giving this story that has been told yeah. um, of these men. It's more of at this day and age in Lord of the Rings, it's more of a myth than like fact. It's, it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it was so long ago. Who knows if it's even true type of deal. Right. Um. They do approach a door in the forest, and Gimli says the warmth of his blood has left. The This place was built by dead for the dead. Yeah. A large gust of wind comes out of the door and scares their horses away, and Aragorn says he does not fear death so, and enters the door. These horses that they have now as well are mm-hmm. the same horses they had. So I should correct myself. The horse that Legolas and Gimli are on is one of the horses they okay. received from Aomer back in the second movie before reaching Aragorn. Oh, okay. The horse that Aragorn is on is Brago, right? That horse that he calms in the second movie and then it comes and right. takes him to Helm's Deep after he falls off the cliff. So, like, mm-hmm. yes, they're horses, but these three would have a very good relationship with these horses. They've ridden into battle with these horses. They trust each other. And so, like, this... I would say evil presence these horses are feeling is strong enough that they are abandoning their riders, which is a big deal. Yeah. Especially since they are Rohirrim horses, which are considered a breed in itself within this world. Okay. So it, it is a big deal. The, the, the presence that is given off by just the entrance to this place to try and give um, some sort of perspective to. Yeah. Legolas follows. And then Gimli says it's odd that an elf would go underground where a dwarf would not. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. Basically saying, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, anyway, and, and then we cut back to Theoden, and he's yeah. getting ready to head out. And so at this point, Theoden, I want to break this up so we're aware of our groups, because we now have another splinter in groups, right? So, I mean, granted, so we're only adding one other group now, but we, we do now, we are now following Frodo, Sam, and Gollum. I'm still going to count them all as one group, even though that Frodo kind of kicks Sam to the curb. We are also wow. following following Gandalf and Pippin. We are now following Theoden and Eomir, Eowyn, and Merry. And now we have Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli back on their own with just the three of them. So we've got four different yep. groups we're following now. Um, yeah. I, I guess I would count as well with Gandalf and Pippin. We'll throw like Denethor in there as well again because it, it's Gundor the Gundor group the Rohan group Frodo Sam Gollum Aragorn Legolas Gimli four different groups yep. so apologizing if it kind of gets a little hard to, to track because it, it does quite a bit of jumping yeah um but yeah Theoden gets ready to head out he tells Mary that he will not have him as a burden so he doesn't want him in battle someone swoops him up onto their horse and rides off with the others and we see their face shown. It is Eowyn riding into yeah. battle with them. Now, we talked about this a little bit before. Uh, Aragorn was aware of Eowyn's right. intentions of, of battling. But and, in Theoden's mind, it was like he's right. she's staying back. He even put her in charge if he doesn't come back. But obviously, she's suiting up in secret and brings Mary so, along. This is one of those things that I wonder. Because Theoden does accept Mary's sword earlier, right? And yeah. so I'm wondering if Eomer has said something Talk to, to Theoden because he saw Mary dressed up, saw him heading to the smithy to sharpen his blade, 
So I, I wonder if this is Aomer's doing. Yeah, because, that, I think that's a reasonable assumption, but I, I don't know. Because I, yeah. I think they're all assuming that Mary doesn't know anything about combat, which is not the case, you know? Yeah. Because Mary fought in Moria with the Fellowship. You know, he fought goblins. He's, he's seen battle. He also mm-hmm. fought with the Ents at Isengard. Again, more battle. You know, yep. and so, like, obviously not extensive as, like, Theoden or Eomer, but he does yeah. have combat experience now. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I would say this is one of those things where they're just assuming he doesn't know anything about anything. Right. And, and I, I, I really wonder if Eomer has, would have said something to Theoden about leaving yeah. Mary behind. Yeah. But we, uh, we cut to orcs marching on Minas Tirith. And there's a lot. Yeah. Uh, we cut back to Aragorn, um, and they see a mountain of skulls in this. I'm gonna tomb. do a quick check on the numbers. Yeah. Because again, I I, oh, okay. I think it's kind of, I, I I like giving the numbers so like we can see the odds uh, of the fight yeah, here. Yeah, that's fair. So the numbers here: uh, three thousand Gondorian soldiers, five hundred guards of the citadel which are those guards that we see earlier in the movie guarding the, the tree of Gondor, right? Um, yeah. Less than 3,000 South Gondorians and men from outlying provinces. So basically 3,500 troops of Minas Tirith, less than 3,000 from other provinces of Gondor, which is an insanely no, low number for how big Gondor truly is. Um, mm. And then... <clears throat> um, when the battle comes, we'll have there'll be an additional six thousand Rohirrim cavalry, um, and then for the bad side, tens of thousands of orcs, Easterlings, Haradrim, and Varag, um, and then several hundred of like specialized units that we'll see later. Um, so in the movie here, when this battle kicks off, for the most part, we're only going to see orcs, but in the actual battle which they don't really do a good job portraying once we get there. There are orcs and men and whatnot on the bad side and then just men on the good side. Um, but so, so you're talking okay. here, the number it gives is roughly 12,500 good guys. So Gondorians and Rohirrim against tens of thousands. It doesn't even give an actual number. It just says tens of thousands yeah. of orcs. And so you're talking at a bare minimum... If you just took 10,000, you're talking like almost a three to one odds. But it says tens of thousands. So that, that could be anywhere from 10,000 all the way up to 90,000, right? So like the odds are obviously like heavily in favor of the orcs. Um, so just something to keep in mind as, as we come closer to the battle of, of Minas Tirith. Um, and so this battle as well will be is referred to as the Battle of Pelennor Fields. And that Pelennor Fields is, is the fields that the orcs are marching across uh, to get to Minas Tirith. Just, just a heads okay. up there. Um, and there's a lot of different points and stuff that once we get to the battle, I'll be pointing out. So just a heads up to you, Jacob. Uh, there'll be different points and stuff that I'll be like, oh, hold on, we got, we got some of this going on here and here's some other numbers and stuff like that. Um, but... Anyways, back to this. We see Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli going through um, 
the cave entrance, and as you said, they see some, uh, like some skulls and whatnot, stacked uh, like stacked in a uh, one of the passageways. Um, and it's not just like three or four; it's like a mound of skulls that are blocking this doorway. So you're you're talking like hundreds or thousands of skulls. Yeah, and just down that one. Yeah, it's it's a big way. pile. Yeah. Um. Because because it's it's Legolas not just like a little inlet. It's like yeah. a full blown doorway, completely covered top to bottom, with skulls. Yeah. Um. Legolas says the dead are following. They have been summoned. Uh, there is a mist on the ground that has like arms reaching up to them, and mm. one reaches for Gimli, and he just blows it away really vigorously. Yeah. Um. Aragorn tells them not to look down, but Gimli does, and they're walking on skulls. Because well. you, you hear, and I think you only hear it from Gimli, you hear crunching underfoot. Yeah. And so, like, they're walking, as you said, on skulls on the ground, and Gimli's weight is just crushing them. <laughs> yeah. But they <laughs> approach a large structure. Someone calls out, Who enters my domain? Uh, it's the king of the dead. Aragorn replies with, one who will have our allegiance. A ghostly display of a city kind of comes up, and he says, the way has been shut by the dead, and the dead keep it. Many other ghosts come forth, and there, there's a lot. Yeah, by um, a lot, there's like tens of thousands. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, a, a uh, lot is but, an under... Like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the king says the way is shut. Now they must die. The king also says, none but the son of Gondor may summon me. Aragorn pulls out his sword, blocking the ghost attacks, yeah. uh, and, and grabs the ghost's throat. Says, uh, that line was broken, he exclaims. And Aragorn says, it has been remade. Aragorn says to fight for them and regain their honor. He tells them that he is Isildur's heir. Fight for him. And have their oaths fulfilled. Yeah. And the king laughs at him. Yeah, and because um, this is one of those things that I don't know if it's just that the king of the dead does not believe him, or that he has been dead and trapped in that mountain for so long that he's just given up hope of their oath being fulfilled. You know. Yeah. I'm not quite sure really which one it is. Um, but as you said, you know, everyone's like, "Fulfill your or fight for me, and your oath will be fulfilled." And then they all kind of like start laughing and kind of just disappear like they're not going to do it. Yep. And uh, everything shakes. The walls of the castle crumble and the sea of skulls flows down. It, uh, it, it Aragorn, is like Gimli. a proper like sea of skulls. It's like it's not yeah. just like yeah, it's a lot. skulls drop. It's like a freaking tidal wave of skulls. Yeah. It's like and I'm assuming each one of these skulls belongs to one of these spirits. To one of them. Yeah, more than And likely. so, again, you're t we're talking, like, tens of thousands. Yeah. Uh, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas run and escape, and they see, the, as they come out of the side, like, they, they get outside, they see the attack that's coming yes. from the south. So, um, this their part city's here, on fire. This part here is yeah. extended edition. Just a heads up. Okay. As, as we um, see them come out and... We see cities on fire and whatnot. Okay. That part is... But Aragorn, Aragorn sees this. He looks defeated. 
Then they hear wind whistling, and out comes the king from the mountain, and he looks and he says, we fight. Yeah. And that is where I picked to end this two and a half hour long recording, um, th- this section. <laughs> so uh, that's that's where we're at. Um, some final notes on this section. Yeah. Um, so this part here as right before the King of the Dead comes out, says, well, like we will fight because Aragorn, like he drops to his knees and you, like you said, like he drops, he like, he is defeated. And because basically what this is, is like, I've failed. Like Elrond told me this was our only hope. They're not going to fight. These ships are coming down the river. Cities are burning. We can't stop them. Gundor's doomed. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and like, and you can see on his face, like the the heaviness of that, like that he's feeling. He's feeling the failure, very strongly. Um. And when we pick up for the next episode, right. And we'll get to a certain point. There's a little more on this that I don't want to go into until we see a little more of the movie. Um, okay. And I'll, I'll just say it's 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 a difference between movie and book. Gotcha. Uh, but one difference that I will say now um, is that in the books, right, starting in the Two Towers, at the Battle of Helm's Deep in the books, the elves are not there, which I have mentioned before. Aragorn is there with the Grey Company, which is a company of Dúnedain, roughly 30 soldiers, that have shown up and they are accompanying Aragorn and their leader, his name is Halbarad, I believe. And they accompany Aragorn. When it gets to the third movie, that company of soldiers, the company of 30 Dúnedain soldiers, go with Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli through the path of the dead. So in the Mm -hmm. movie, it's just the three of them. In the book, they have a company of Dúnedain soldiers that come with them. Gotcha. Let's see. Um, so, again, some well. variations between movie and book. Um, yeah. And one thing that I have been told and one thing that I agree with, if you're wanting to watch the movies and read the books, treat them as different journeys to the same yeah. destination. Because there's... Yeah, because otherwise you're just comparing it. Yeah. And you're going to just well, find Otherwise you're comparing and it and... There's so much more that happens in the books and some of the battles and stuff like that and events happen differently. And and truthfully, it's it's purely because if they were to make these movies truly and purely on the exact events of the books, we would be looking at three movies per book like they did with The Hobbit. But even with The Hobbit movies that they came out with, there's a lot of variations between the movies and the books the movies yeah. in the book like in the book of the hobbit legless is not in the book right you know so like um but yeah for anyone that's you know reading book and watching movie treat them as separate journeys to the same destination yep um especially well, the second book is that the more heavy one as far as differences i yeah mainly because so like in the first book the differences are basically the movies leave out some of the events of the book, but it still follows basically the same journey. Gotcha. The second movie is where you see the differences, mainly with the elves arriving at Helm's Deep 
instead of the gray company. Hmm. Um, which, if I'm not mistaken, the gray company doesn't show up to Helm's Deep until after the fighting. But I could be wrong on that. Um, and then because of those differences from in the second book to second movie, we see more differences in third book to third movie. Um, hmm. As well as, I, I think I mentioned it as well, the ending of the second book is actually the beginning of the third movie. So the whole thing with Saruman. Yeah. Uh, but Peter Jackson was looking for a high note to leave off on the second movie. So, you know, the, the victory of Helm's Deep, that's their yeah. big heroic win. Uh, so that's where I left off with that one. But, but yeah, so for those that have read the books, expect more differences coming up, um, especially when we get to the Battle of Pelennor Fields, which is one of the two big battles of the third movie. Um, and that's that's the battle that we have that we have been seeing, being prepared for. So the orcs taking out Gilead, Rohirrim riding to to Gondor. Yeah. That's all going to culminate to the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Yep. Um, all right. But well, yeah. I'm ready to be done. <laughs> Stop talking. Um, I will talk more. Well, I'll disconnect. Oh. <laughs> no. Um. I don't know. God. Sorry. I'm like. Oh, this is, this is two and a half hours of sitting here. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of feeling it. I'm sorry to... I feel like overall is a little more short when you had, uh, you know, additions to say. I was like... I was getting a little more frustrated. Uh, that being said, you did cut me off a good amount. So, you know, but... Yeah, well, um, I kind of have to. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's the end of part two. We'll, we'll eventually get to part three. Uh, Evan is still alive. And uh, that, that was not the reason he's he's... I don't know if he will be for next episode. <laughs> I'm offering. He's currently... I'm offering it to you. <laughs> oh, like so that you don't? No, no, so that you can. Let me just go ahead and take oh, that God. round out of the chamber. <laughs> Why was there one in it? Why not? What's the point of having a gun if you don't have a round in the chamber? <laughs> safety. Uh, I, you keep one out of it. I have a safety then... on this gun. It just happens to be on the trigger. <laughs> All right, put it down. <laughs> Freaking swear to God. Um. Anyway. Uh, so. Jacob, yeah. thoughts on this section of the movie? I mean, freaking, I don't know. Is it bad if I don't remember what even happened? Maybe. After we just went through it. <laughs> I, I I generally integrate my thoughts into my notes. So if there's something <laughs> that I said or made fun of, you know, I don't know. I. So I, I've, I guess where I'm struggling is like, since we have last recorded, I, I went ahead and finished the movie. Right. And so I'm trying to distinguish visually where everything was in accordance to what we just went through. Um, and I'm tired of sitting here. So part of it's not really remembering what parts just occurred, you know? Uh, but I remember the sea of skulls being like, I was like, holy crap, mm. like that's freaking, yeah. Uh, and, and also I, I had the same thoughts on like, that's how many of these ghost things there are. Holy crap. You know, yeah. and it kind of gives a little more of uh, scale on, on to what's going on. So right there was that. Uh, I don't know any other thoughts um, well, as of right now. For, for a, I mean, a, a fair point as well is that this section of the movie is just build up. 
you know. Right, and like, it still is. Like I, I think the, the, the biggest important part of this section of the movie, the two parts, is the whole thing with Aragorn, Legolas Gimli, the King of the Dead, and then like right there towards the beginning, the whole thing with Frodo giving up on Sam, and so like everything else is just kind of set up. Stop shaking your camera. I'm not. I'm shaking my table. <laughs> But, like, those are, like, the two big points of this section, and the rest of it's just yeah. kind of build up. So, like, right. there's not really a whole lot to, like, key points to remember. Basically, just, like, Rohan's getting ready for war. Gondor's getting yeah. ready for war. Yeah, I mean, war. That's, that's what it is. But there's obviously some to elaborate with it, but as far as just reflection, it's like, yeah. well, it's build up. This, the, this, is, this is, like, the calm before the storm. Yep. And so, like, people don't but, really remember the, the calm. They remember the storm. So Right. So, anyway, uh, next time, whenever that is, we will pick up um, the timestamp I didn't actually get, but it was around like an hour 58, I think. Uh, we'll pick up there. 58, 14. Nope, we're a little further 14. past. Somewhere in there. Uh, 158, 34. Deuces!